I am a huge fan of documentary filmmaking. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for joining. Where are we? We're in limbo. And if you're into documentaries, even just a little bit, you've probably heard of this guy. I'm Errol Morris. I direct films. And I hope actually before the bitter end to make a couple more. And even if you haven't heard of Errol Morris, you've definitely seen movies that were influenced by him. His documentary, The Thin Blue Line, from 1988, was hugely influential for the way it elevated true crime storytelling. The first shot hit him in the arm. He had his flashlight. He hit the flashlight, as I recall, and went into his arm, and the next one hit him right in the chest. In 2018, Morris made American Dharma, about the former head of Breitbart News and Trump White House strategist Steve Bannon. The movie premiered at the Venice Film Festival. Dharma is the combination of duty, fate, and destiny. And the movie was well attended. For me to fulfill my dharma, I have to fulfill my duty. People clearly liked the movie. At the end of the screening, the audience gave it a standing ovation. But I got back to my hotel room, and I started reading reviews, and reviews were horrendous. There were comments that this was, quote-unquote, a bromance. My love affair with Stephen K. Bannon. The negative reviews kept coming. A lot of them attacked Morris for giving Bannon a platform to spread his ideology. This movie is about a bad person. It indeed is a bad movie. Let's give credit where credit is due. It's not just a bad person and therefore is a bad movie. It's about a bad person and it also is a bad movie. And it's probably a bad movie about a bad person done by a bad director. No one would distribute the movie. They wouldn't go near it. This is my biggest failure. I'm Joe Skinner. This is American Masters Creative Spark. And this season, we're going to try something a bit different. In each episode, we're bringing you the story of how one work of art came to exist, in the artist's own words. This is a chance for us to hear about everything that goes into making things. Our goal is to demystify the creative process. Today's focus, Errol Morris on the making of American Dharma. How is it that one of the most prominent documentarians alive decided to make a movie about one of the most reviled political figures from the Trump era? And why did it end up, in his words, as his biggest failure? American Dharma was the third in a series of documentary portraits Morris made about unpopular political figures. In 2003, Morris released The Fog of War, a film about Robert S. McNamara, who was defense secretary during the Vietnam War. We saw Vietnam as an element of the Cold War. 
not what they saw it as, a civil war. We were wrong. This thing is heavy. I'd like to thank the Academy for finally recognizing my films. The Fog of War won an Oscar for Best Documentary Feature. Thank you so very, very, very much. I thought it would never happen. A decade later, Morris made The Unknown Known. That movie was a profile of Donald Rumsfeld, who was defense secretary during the war in Iraq. Subject, unknown knowns. That is to say, things that you think you know that it turns out you did not. But while the fog of war won awards and critical praise, the unknown known was less well-received. One reviewer criticized the unknown known because they felt Donald Rumsfeld was not in any way remorseful. I said, you know, you make a movie with the Secretary of Defense you have, not the Secretary of Defense you want to have. <laughs> so what's the Steve Bannon that we want to have? <laughs> um, I'm not sure we want to have any kind of Steve Bannon. But we're stuck with him. He exists. And that in itself is something that is worthy of examination. Sometime after the 2016 election, Morris knew he wanted to talk to Bannon. Bannon became a prominent nationalist conservative voice that helped to create one of the biggest upsets in American politics. If you look at the politician Donald Trump became, it's uh, very much a reflection of Steve Bannon's politics. Send in Steve Bannon. Bannon was credited with electing Donald Trump. Hello, Donald. I have arrived. Hi, Steve. You look rested. Thank you. Who in hell is Bannon? We're doing the pie graph. What percentage is true believer, true fascist monster? What percentage is snake oil salesman, guy who sees this as a way to secure power? It would be disingenuous to say that I wasn't warned that talking to him was potentially toxic. It was toxic. That I just couldn't let it go. I asked my agent, Ari Emanuel, whether he knew someone who could connect me with Steve Bannon. And yes, he did. And it was a pretty simple process. I contacted Steve Bannon, and within a short amount of time, I was invited down to the Breitbart Embassy, as it's known. The Breitbart Embassy is a brick townhouse that served as headquarters for Breitbart News, the right-wing site that Bannon ran at the time. Very, very, very close to the U.S. Supreme Court in Washington. You can look down the street, and there are the pillars at the end of the street. I went down and met Steve Bannon. We talked for two or three hours and we agreed to make a movie together. The question then became how to make an Errol Morris movie about Steve Bannon, a guy who was very much in the public eye. 
I'm always looking for a different way in so that I'm not doing the same damn thing again and again and again and again until I drop dead. I knew Bannon loved movies. I even knew he loved my movies. And I often think that movies are a kind of, is it a litmus test? I don't even know how best to describe it. It's a way of looking at how people see things. People see movies in radically different ways. I knew his favorite movie was 12 O'Clock High. Now, I don't have a lot of patience with this what are we fighting for stuff. We're in a war, a shooting war. 12 O'Clock High has a speech. We've got to fight. And some of us have got to die. Gregory Peck is in this Quonset hut. A Quonset hut, by the way, is a long metal tube-shaped building you might see on a lot of military bases. He's exhorting his troops to battle. I'm not trying to tell you not to be afraid. Fear is normal. But stop worrying about it. They're going to fly over Nazi Germany. Chances are you're not coming back. Stop making plans. Forget about going home. Consider yourselves already dead. Consider yourself already dead. It told me a lot about Bannon, his love of conflict. And he is Gregory Peck in 12 O'Clock High, or at least he'd like to see himself as Gregory Peck in 12 O'Clock High. I think it's a very simple film with a very simple, powerful message that modernity is based around emotionalism, which you think is helping everybody, but in fact is not allowing them to fulfill their destiny, fulfill their fate. Even though that fate and that destiny may be their own personal destruction. 12 O'Clock High is about the importance of winning at any cost. Steve Bannon ran the Trump campaign the same way, like he was channeling Gregory Peck. But even though it's a World War II movie, the particulars of why or who they're fighting almost don't even matter. A crippled airplane has to be expendable. The one thing which is never expendable is your obligation to this group. This group, this group, that has to be your loyalty, your only reason for being. When I first saw it, I asked myself, could this be a Nazi film? What makes this an American film being shown to Americans about American flyers, American servicemen? Of course, the American pilots in the movie were fighting fascism, but there's nothing about Gregory Peck's determination to win at all costs that's inherently American. Switch the uniforms around and he could just as easily be playing a bad guy. That ambiguity fascinated Morris especially since Bannon was being called a fascist for his hard-right ideology. And that's what gave him the idea for how to structure his documentary. I decided to structure it around films, and I decided to structure it around that film in particular because I thought, let's build the set of 12 O'Clock High. Let's build the Quonset Hut from 12 O'Clock High, and we'll put Bannon in it. Because what could he want more? than to be the hero in his favorite film. What we're doing is we're creating an environment where something can happen. 
An environment pregnant with meaning, with emotion, with significance. But I like the idea of it, I thought. Now, this is kind of perverse. Errol Morris's production designer on this film was Adam Stockhausen, who's worked with Steven Spielberg and Wes Anderson, among others. He won an Oscar for his work on the Grand Budapest Hotel. Stockhausen and his team built a replica of the set from 12 o'clock high at a decommissioned military base outside Boston. And he went looking for props from the 1949 movie. At the heart of 12 o'clock high is the Toby Jug. In 12 o'clock high, the Toby Jug is a ceramic pitcher shaped like the head of a bandit. Maybe it's Robin Hood. The jug was turned to the wall, and then when the pilots left to fly out over Germany, they turned it around. It became emblematic of the war and the risks that they were taking, and of their courage. And I really, really wanted that Toby jug. And my producer found it. And I always like smashing things. Maybe that's the secret destructive part of me. We had the Toby jug and I just knew at a certain point I had to drop it on the floor of the Quonset hut and smash it. The hut and those props in American Dharma really are uncanny replicas of the ones from 12 o'clock high. At one point, Morris has his camera zoom into a clock ticking on the wall of their film set. Suddenly, he cuts to a shot of that same clock ticking in black and white in a scene from 12 o'clock high. It's a simple part of a motif, but it's a striking and deliberate detail. One of the things that I still kind of gives me pleasure to look at is where you go from one simulacrum to another, from the model of 12 o'clock high, which in turn is a model of some Quonset hut somewhere during the air war against Germany. Because who knows where we really are? Are we in a dream? Wasn't it that guy, uh, Edgar Allan Poe? What is life but a dream within a dream? These last four years is an entire world out of whack, out of balance. We're seemingly right and wrong. Truth and falsity don't even mean anything anymore. Oh God, can I not grasp them with a tighter clasp? Oh God, can I not save one from the pitiless wave? Is all that we see or seem but a dream within a dream. At points during American Dharma, we see Steve Bannon walking around the set and the overgrown airstrip outside, intercut with scenes from 12 o'clock high, where the actor Dean Jagger wanders a similarly deserted World War II airfield. At one point, we see Bannon strolling a street lined with the facades of derelict houses while we hear President Trump's American Carnage inaugural address. Chief Justice Roberts, a speech reported to have been written in part by Steve Bannon himself. Of the world, thank you. Everyone is listening to you now. You came by the tens of millions to become part of a historic 
movement, the likes of which the world has never seen before. It turns out that Main Street set was built for Patriot's Day, a movie about the Boston Marathon bombing. We're out in this abandoned airfield. They had constructed a little American street that was used as part of their shooting. And I looked at it, it was falling apart. Boards were coming off the houses. There was litter in the streets and so on and so forth. And I thought, hmm, this is my American carnage scene. I'll have Bannon just walking through this, talking about President Trump's first, and we hope and pray only, inaugural address. And the crime, and the gangs, and the drugs that have stolen too many lives and robbed our country of so much unrealized potential. This American carnage stops right here and stops right now. American Dharma is a single interview documentary. There aren't any talking heads filling in context or critiquing what Bannon says. It's just Steve Bannon and Errol Morris sitting across a desk facing each other. Morris interviewed Bannon inside the Quonset hut for about 16 hours over six days. Now, as someone who gets to interview people, I've always wanted to know how a master interviewer like Morris prepares. But he didn't go in with a long list of questions on a pad of paper. Interviews scare me. I don't like to prepare for them because I really believe that an interview has to be spontaneous. It has to have at least a very strong element of spontaneity. I was just going to say, you know, did Bannon bring anything in that he was hoping for you to cover? Bannon had a litany of complaints. He was really angry. It can't be a pillow fight. You need some killers. You get some killers, you're going to see some change. We all know what the problems are. Do you have the guts to do it? Trump had it. And that's why he's president of the United States. So what is going through your head when Bannon's saying these kinds of things in the interview? What's for dinner? (laughs) I'm often thinking, do I have to reply to this? Should I reply to this? Can I reply to this? You could turn it into a total adversarial deal. But that was not the idea. The idea was to tease something out, to learn something. In the 20th century, we decided that these individual nation states at war with each other would produce disaster and that some solution had to be contrived. When you say we, what do you mean, we? We didn't decide that at all. I completely and totally disagree with that. Well, I know you do. No, but it wasn't the common man that got us into World War I, in World War II, and in Vietnam, and all the other wars that have been fought. As Bannon talks, we see him from multiple camera angles, often with Morris in the shot. I like the fact that we had constructed this movie set and I was part of it. So I put myself in it and I filmed myself in it because it was more of a confrontation, maybe not as much of a confrontation that people would have liked to have seen, 
but it was a confrontation with Bannon. I like the fact that I'm sitting at that stupid desk on one side and he's sitting at that stupid desk on the other side and we're having this conversation. I was reading about Lucifer in Milton's Paradise Lost. And I have to say that Lucifer for me had certain Bannon-esque qualities. <laughs> he's the interesting character in Paradise Lost. Rather reign in hell than serve in heaven. Love that line. I use it all the time. You do? Oh yeah, all the time. There's a lot of truth to that. That scene really stands out as kind of the climax of the film for me. I was just curious if you could talk about that moment. You know, I don't have enough empirical evidence here, but when you call people Satan, Satan incarnate, the devil, usually they're offended. I'm not the devil. I'm not Satan. I'm a nice guy. Bannon loved it. Yeah, I'm the devil. I'm Satan. Hi. Hi there. Nice to meet you. I think you'll really enjoy some of the truly satanic things I have in mind. You may hate my guts, and you may hate what I stand for. But if we don't allow some way for this system to spread the wealth, we're going to have a revolution in this country. It is coming as night follows day. What would revolution mean? What are we talking about here? A complete rejection of the system. It's going to cut like a scythe through grass. It is coming. At the heart of this whole movement, this so-called populist movement, that the heart of it was just pure destruction. Remember that Quonset hut Morris meticulously reconstructed for the film set? Bannon's destructive ideas gave Morris an idea for the movie's most striking sequence. I really wanted to burn the Quonset hut down at the very end of the film. Did you know you were going to burn it down before you built it, at least? No, 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 only after I built it, I thought, hmm, let's burn it down at the end. I'm not exactly sure the exact moment, but I remember asking Adam Stockhausen, can we burn it down? And he got all excited. Of course we can burn it down. Let's burn it down. Then we took the cameras out of the Quonset hut and we shot the burning of the Quonset hut with, I don't know, probably seven or eight cameras. And it burns pretty fast. In fact, we almost immolated the crew. Was Bannon aware that you were gonna be burning it down? He liked it. I worried about telling him, you know, we're gonna burn it down. You okay with that? Yep, no problemo. And then there was a discussion whether it should end with the burning. And I thought not. I liked him being on that lonely runway at the end, 
just like Dean Jagger at the end of 12 o'clock high. There he was just walking off into nowhere with his crazy ass ideas of whatever. Just like the final scene of 12 o'clock high, at the end of American Dharma, we see Bannon wandering the abandoned airfield. It's as if Errol Morris is showing us Bannon acting out his ideal version of himself as some kind of all-American hero. It is really an interesting aspect of our current world. And maybe it was always true that people have never really known who they are. That life is a form of play acting and we constantly revise who we are. It's a portrait, and I think an interesting portrait. Well, what do you think you captured in this portrait of Bannon? His destructiveness, his sadism. It's not just politics as usual. It's something meaner, nastier, more frightening. Reviewers took Morris to task for not being argumentative enough with Bannon, for not making his views more explicit. I thought there was enough stuff there in American Dharma to make it absolutely clear what my feelings were towards Stephen Bannon. I find his ideas detestable. American Dharma makes its points using irony. Morris uses the old film clips and reenactments to undercut what Bannon is saying. But in the middle of the Trump administration, critics didn't seem to appreciate this approach. What am I supposed to do? Have like a placard? Not good people on both sides, okay? Yeah. But if that's what movies have to do, if they have to just lead you by the nose, if they have to make everything so unbelievably overstated and explicit, it kind of makes me sad. Some critics thought Morris should have never even made a movie about Steve Bannon in the first place. They thought the right thing to do was to ignore Bannon. Instead, they said Morris had given him a platform. In, in many ways, I, I still am an experimental filmmaker, and I like being an experimental filmmaker. If you're required to do things in the same way again and again and again, what's the point? The point is, I think, to discover new ways of telling stories and to find new information, surprising information. Like any documentary, American Dharma is a time capsule. It preserves a moment in time after Bannon had left the Trump administration and hadn't yet been indicted for fraud. But the reverberations of that moment in time are still with us. The U.S. Capitol is on lockdown as thousands of pro-Trump protesters swarmed buildings in the Congress. Are they rioters? Was it a mob? Is it terrorism? Is it insurrection? Is it a coup? There are ties between lower-level Republican officials and militia groups. 15% of Americans believe the false QAnon idea that the government is controlled by a cabal of Satan-worshipping pedophiles. 
The diamonds of the world are still out there. Scares the out of me. I made the movie because it scared the out of me. We dodged a bullet, but the gun is still loaded. Thank you to Errol Morris for his interview and for inviting us into his creative process. Join us for more episodes weekly as we continue to look into how artists make their work. And please, subscribe wherever you listen and tell your friends about the show. American Masters Creative Spark is a production of the WNET Group, media made possible by all of you. The show is produced by me, Joe Skinner, Our executive producer is Michael Cantor. This episode was produced by Matt Frassica. Original music is composed by Hannes Brown. Funding for American Masters Creative Spark was provided by the Anderson Family Fund and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Stream documentaries from the award-winning signature PBS series American Masters at pbs.org slash American Masters.